Good morning, church. It's good to be back in the house of the Lord, especially when it's, I love communion time. I love it whenever we're just brought to that remembrance of why we all have the privilege of being in the house of the Lord. Turn turn to your neighbor next to you and just say, I'm so glad you're here. I hope you all meant it. (laughs) We just came back from Singapore uh, Yesterday evening, some of the pastors, we were there for a World Assemblies of God Congress. And it was an amazing time where pastors and and, great church leaders from across the world were just giving messages and imparting to us. And we have really been blessed. And I'm sure in the course of time, as you interact with us on a personal note, we'd love to share with you whatever we have. But today, you know, because we are so close to Easter, I believe that God really wants to have a, a strong message for the church of Jesus Christ on what we need to do, what we need to, how we need to position ourselves even in this season. So today, the message I have today is entitled, The Clarion Call. Say with me, The Clarion Call. What is the Clarion? Who is Clarion? There's no one by the name of Clarion. Clarion simply means, it is a, it's a word that is used to sound out a very urgent cry. A very desperate cry. And church, we are living in desperate times where there are so many needs all around us. There are so many situations and you know and I know friends as well who are going through different things in their lives. And they need to have that hope that we've been talking about from last year. So today, my message is taken from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. I would like to invite... Everyone, let's just stand up for the reading of the Word of God today. All right, let's start in verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. Verse 6, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Hallelujah. May the Lord add blessings to the word. Father, we commit ourselves to you this morning, O Lord. We pray that the preaching of the word, O God, will bless both the speaker and the hearer, O God. And Lord, let your presence be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, this is a very, very common story. We have, we have probably 
read this story many times, you've probably heard sermons upon this many, many times over, but let's just journey through this, this very powerful story. It's been resonating in my heart for quite a while now, and this gave me a, an opportunity to actually go and go really into the Word of God, and I was picking up things which I never saw there before. When you go into the Bible, this is now the Esom pastor t- telling you this, when you go into the Word of God, don't be so quick to rush past the sentences. Experience the sentences. Try to understand what is the Word of God really bringing out. And you will have such an amazing time every time you open the Word of God. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. Now, this was a widow. A widow whose husband had been serving the Lord. When they say son of the prophets, it means that they were all belonging to the school of the prophets where Elijah and Elisha were leading. They had a company of prophets and her husband was one of them. A man that was very greatly revered, a man that that was very respected as well. Some ancient tradition even says that this man could have even been the prophet Obadiah. The prophet Obadiah who in, who, who in, uh, in the book of Elijah, he was responsible for hiding about a hundred prophets of God when, Je- uh, when Jezebel and Ahab were killing them all. But we never know that. But that was what tradition seems to have said. So nevertheless, we know that this was a godly man. And you wonder like, hmm, why is this godly man racking up debts? Why, why is he having so many debts? We don't know what happened. Perhaps he got sick. Perhaps he could not work. Perhaps many things took place and he had to go into debt for his family. And I'm sure some of us can resonate with having to take loans for your children's education, maybe having to do things which you normally wouldn't when times are good. So this is probably what happened to this man. And unfortunately, he passed away and he left a widow and two children with a lot of debt. And now in the, in the Mosaic law, in the law of Moses, there was a provision. Whenever there is a creditor that could not be paid, the creditor is allowed to actually enslave the children, the man and the child, the man and the children and their wives. But this enslavement is not like the slaves that we see on TV. It's not that kind of slaves. This is about enslaving means you are now forced to work for them for a certain number of of years. And these years normally is right up until the jubilee when they are set free. That's what it means. It's not not a slavery where there's going to be whipping, no. But it's a slavery where the boys would have been taken away from the mother to work in probably a faraway place and not be with the mother. So obviously, which mother will want the sons to be taken away from them, from her, especially since she just lost her husband. So then she, only, she was in a desperate situation. And I'm sure we all know of mothers and fathers who have done the same as well. When times are bad, you will think, okay, what can I sell? I'm sure she would have sold everything she had. I'm sure she would have given all the thought that she went, she could have had. I am sure she would have gone to every single relative. Please help me. Please help me. And yet the creditor comes. And yet the creditor came. 
and she was driven by desperation. And she remembered, she remembered Elisha. Elisha, whom Elijah had just anointed. Elijah, the man of God, whom her husband was serving together with. And so she quickly went to Elijah, to Elisha, and just told him the story, and he replied her, How can I help you? See, the first thing that she did, which we all need to realize when we are faced with different needs in our life, is point number one, verbalize your need. So many times, you know, when, when we, whether we come in the presence of the Lord or whether we come to each other, we may not really know how to verbalize our need. We may become a complaining person, but not know what is it that we need. Or sometimes when I was a younger Christian, I thought I need to protect God, so I won't ask God for what I really wanted. Because I'll tell, I will say, no lah, I don't want to make things difficult for the Lord. So let me just ask Him just for this. God, I just want, you know, for me to be able to pass this exam. I've studied very hard, but pass also good lah. You don't have to stress about getting me an A. You know, because I thought it would stress God out. Because I was a new believer, I was a young, young, young person, did not know that was how God worked. And, and as I grow older, I'm just like, my goodness, what a silly prayer. I should have prayed all the way for A's, but thank God in His grace, you know, He blessed me well in my studies. But you know, sometimes we come to the Lord, we are so careful, you know, to talk to the Lord. We're so careful about not wanting to be unholy before the Lord. You're so careful like, oh, yo, I better not say these things because I mustn't complain. I'm, I cannot be real. I cannot tell God. I'm so upset. But I love how this lady, she just went to Elisha, which represented the presence of the Lord in those days. She just went to him and he just said, my husband has been serving you all this while. Why has this happened to me? Sometimes we are, we are very careful not to pray this kind of prayers. Because we say, yo, what if God's angry with me for scolding him? But I believe if we look into the book of Psalms, we see the man after God's own heart, King David himself, always verbalizing prayers that were very heartfelt. Say, God, how can the unrighteous prosper? How can you leave the righteous like this, Lord? He prayed very real prayers. And you know, no matter what situation we could be in or, or our friends could be in that we're standing along with them, we really need to take heart, verbalize your needs. And then Elijah turns around and he asks in verse 2, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? I can just imagine, you know, this woman is coming to Elisha and he's wondering, like, oh my goodness, what on earth is going on? How can I help? And He's not asking, I don't believe he's asking in an angry way. What do you want me to do for you? Because if you see the next sentence, tell me what do you have in your house? It shows me that Elisha was someone full of care and concern. Not overwhelmed by the needs presented. And as Christians, as believers, sometimes we can be overwhelmed when people bring problems to us or when we go through situations. But I love the tenderness of Elisha, not knowing the situation that he could answer her with compassion. He was a different kind of prophet compared to Elijah. Elijah was all fiery and all charged up. But Elisha, he's always known as a very tender-hearted, compassionate person. 
And he said, tell me, tell me, what do you have in this house? And her first response was this, your servant has nothing there at all. Because in her mind, nothing there, I have nothing. I have nothing. So many times when, when we are faced with situations and we just say, I have nothing, I cannot do anything. Nothing I can do already. I give up, I just want to sit down here and do nothing. But then this woman suddenly remembered, hey, I don't know whether it makes a difference, but I will tell Elisha, I have one jar of oil. I have one jar of oil. Maybe when she looked at Elisha, perhaps she saw on Elisha's shoulder that mantle which Elijah passed to him. Maybe she said, hey, she remembered Elijah. And maybe I should remember Elijah, she remembered. There was a story of Elijah and another widow. I wonder, I wonder if the same God of that widow can be the same God for me today. But maybe in her mind, you know how when you, when you are waiting for a miracle, you battle in your mind. You battle in your mind, but yeah, but then she had flour also. I only got oil. What can I do with oil? Oil by itself cannot do anything. If only I had flour, then I can be like that widow and he can do the same thing for me. Sometimes we want to, we, we, we think that our own miracle has to look like someone else's miracle. And then we say, ah yeah, since it can't look like that, then it can't work out for me. But yet, there was something, something in her heart that wanted to just be as transparent and she said, but I have a little bit of oil. I have a jar of oil. I have a jar of oil. Olive oil I have. See, the next thing after verbalizing our need, we have to learn to admit our lack. We have to learn to admit that we don't have it all. But we have to admit what we have and what we don't have. We cannot be afraid to make known our needs to the Lord, even though it makes us vulnerable. Maybe she was scared. What if he scolds me and says, how come ah, you're so terrible one? You and your husband, very bad financial planning. Why didn't you sign up for the course by Jeremy Tan? Oops. <laughs> you just have to come as you are before the Lord, admitting all that you have and all that you don't have. No pride. No fear, and really being stripped of all that we know. Sometimes, many a time, I believe that some of us have been moved by the presence of the Lord, even in this place. And when the Lord quickens your heart, come forward and ask a pastor to pray for you. Come forward and stand with someone else who needs a prayer. But we hold back. So far, la, Lord. My car is waiting for me. So hard to come forward. But this widow, when all else was lost, she knew her help only had to be in God. And when Elisha heard, she has nothing except a jar of 
a jar of oil. I brought a jar of oil, just in case you all don't know what a jar of oil looks like. Here is a jar of oil. This jar of oil was all she had in her whole house. I believe by then she would have already sold off whatever marriage jewelry. She would have sold off everything except this jar of oil that was left in her house, olive oil. And then Elisha comes up with a plan in verse 3. He says, go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Ask them for empty jars, all shapes, all sizes, any shape, any size. Bring as many, bring as many as you can. Wow, this container also can finish the cookies can bring. You know, whichever container that you can find, finish eating the jam, you can bring that container. Go around to every single neighbor that you have. Send your boys out. Borrow every single empty vessel that you can find. And he says, don't just ask for a few. Don't just ask for a few. <clears throat> and he goes on. He reveals the master plan here. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. That was the instruction given. What we need to learn here is, Elisha was operating on a principle that God has always used in so many instances in the Bible. Use what you have. Point number three, use what you have. Elisha was reminding the woman, the Lord can use anything that you have to bring about the miracle that you need. What is it that you have in your hand? Are you like, like, like that little boy who had the two, two fish and five loaves and fed 5,000? The little that you have becomes abundance. In the hand of the Lord. Amen. Amen, church. The little that you have. What is it that you have now in your situation? What is it that you have? You have something which the Lord can use. Some of us are blessed. We have more than one thing. You may even have a... Maybe instead of just the, the jar of oil, you may also have some flour. Maybe you have raisins also can make raisin bun. I don't know what you have, but the Lord can use whatever you have. Now, olive oil in those days, these are not cheap. In case you're wondering, though it grows there plentifully, it is definitely a need in every household for cooking for the basic necessities. The word in Hebrew that was used for a jar of oil is actually the word flask, a flask of oil. And normally that is an anointing oil that is very precious. It's not just the regular cooking oil, but it would have actually represented anointing oil. Anointing oil which is kept for special occasions. So that would have been extremely expensive oil. You know, not something you use in everyday use. And yet the Lord chose to use even that little flask of oil. And I'm sure when she heard this strategy from Elisha, Go to all my neighbors and ask for empty containers. And then go into the house, shut the door, and fill the containers. She's wondering, my goodness, what kind of a solution is this? 
How? I just told him, right? I only got one small jar. What do you mean to borrow so much? I thought you asked me to go and sell my jar to somebody, some rich guy who will just pay me a lot of money. Or I thought you will do a different kind of miracle. You parted the Jordan after all. But what, what does the Word of God tell us? She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. She left him and she immediately got to work. We need to, number four, do this. Obey even when it's hard to understand. Obey when it's hard to understand. Time and time again, there have been, there have been situations where the Lord will prompt me to give to a certain, a certain need. And I say, but Lord, you know, right, this is the 15th of the month. And you know, right, I have X number of days before I get the next salary. Are you seriously asking me to give this amount? Can I give it at the end of the month? It's at least safer. You know, I give end of the month, at least I got some money as well. But he will just say, give. And really, I've experienced two kinds of situations where sometimes I give and somehow that the Lord has given back to me. And I've also experienced when I give and I expect, okay, like God should not reimburse me, right, somehow. God doesn't, but He gives me the grace to continue until the end of the month. And I wonder, wow, how did I make it? Actually can, you know, by the grace of God. And so in different ways, the Lord has shown me that really when it's hard to obey Him, just obey. Tell your neighbor, when it's hard to obey Him, tell your neighbor, when it's hard to obey Him, just obey. Just obey. A lot of times when, when the Lord speaks to us so strongly, we say, Ayo, do you have an option B, God? Is there an option B that I can choose? Because this one, option one seems quite difficult for me. Maybe it's good for other people, but not for me. You know my situation. And I used to be like that. I would tell God, God, in case you don't know, right? Let me tell you about my life. Like, as though God don't know, man. God knows us. But God asks us, He bid us, Step outside. Step outside of what you know to be the norm. <clears throat> and so, we learn, like the widow, to obey. And interestingly here, the strategy was given. She knew, she was told that every jar would be filled. Was Elisha with her? Was Elisha with her? Yes or no? Come on, I can't hear you. No. When the miracle took place, she was just with her sons. The man of God who gave her the word was not there. But she was there with the sons. Because you know, church, part of being obedient is being alone with the Lord. Because God wants to work in and through you to demonstrate amazing things. But we need to be alone with God. So many times when we are driven by our situations, our first part of call is not the Father God. Our first part of call will be a friend. Our first part of call will be Facebook. Our first part of call will be, you know, something else. But here, after receiving the word. There was a time for her to be alone with God, for the miracle to take place. 
being alone for the miracle to take place. She left him, shut the door behind her. They brought the jars to her and she kept on pouring. You know, young people, when your parents tell you to do strange things, just do it lah, okay? They also don't know what, why they're asking you to do these things because the Lord asked them to do it. You know, can you imagine for these two boys, young boys, they're going around asking all the neighbours, can you bring all the empty containers? Why does your mother need, need it? I don't know. She just wants all the empty containers. I give you five. No, cannot. I want more than five. I want every single container that you have. Must have been difficult for the sons. But yet they did their best. All just trying to see how the Lord is going to work things out for them. And then now, once, the, once all the jars were there, she kept pouring. Now, if she's like me, I would have done this. I would have looked at the bigger containers and said, never mind, I want later first. I think I start with small container because it seems more likely that this jar can definitely fill this, right? So I don't need so much faith. So I'll just pour into the small one. So maybe she started with the smaller jars. And I believe that she was probably just sitting down and pouring. And then once it's poured, she'll pass it to son number one who will then recap, will close it. And son number two will bring the next one. And then probably she said, give me all the small ones first. Give me all the small ones first. I can do small things first. Then as the small ones are being filled, she's like, wow, I've got so many there already. How come? Huh? And then suddenly the jars are getting bigger. Wow, the jars are getting bigger. And she keeps pouring. And she keeps pouring from her nice flask of oil. And it keeps pouring and pouring. Every jar is full. And she keeps going on. And on. And she asks her son, bring me another one. And he replied, there is not a jar left. As soon as there were no more empty vessels, the oil stopped flowing. As long as, as many empty hearts, as many empty lives as we bring before the Lord, He will always fill everyone. There is not a single one that will go and not receive to the fullest, the best. Remember Jesus when he performed his first miracle, the wedding at Cana. He turned water to wine, remember? And if you go to that story, you will see that the host said to the bridegroom, Wow, you kept the best wine for the later part. What this tells me is, when God does a miracle, He gives you quality. Amen? He gives you quality. He doesn't turn water to wine to become substandard wine. When He allows the pouring of the oil, it is not substandard oil, but it is the best quality. It was that anointing oil, very dear, very precious indeed at those times. We learn from the Gospels that one such flask of anointing oil one such flask, it costs one year's wage. One such flask is one year's wage. What more if you have two, three, fifty, a hundred years of wages? Years of wages was given to this, this widow. And after seeing the miracle, I love her spirit. Her spirit was like, 
Not one to like, woohoo, now I'm rich, let's forget about everything. She went back again to the man of God. She went back again to Elisha. And she said, all that had happened, because she does not know what to do. She's so in awe of such a miracle. And he says, now, go and sell it all. It will be enough to cover your creditor's debt. And it will be enough for you to live on, you and your sons. You and your sons can live on it because God doesn't just meet the need that you ask for today. God will meet the need that you ask for, that you have not yet asked for in the future. God will need, meet every single thing that we, we are in need of. Because a widow in those days without a man to care for her will be actually quite penniless and poor. So Elisha knew what was this all about. Because when you learn to obey the Lord, you become positioned to witness the miracle. You get to witness the miracle at your own hands. The feeding of the 5,000, Jesus gave thanks for the two fish and the five loaves. And he gave it to the disciples. And the miracle took place when the disciples started breaking and giving it to the different ones. The Lord works in and through us for our own miracle, church. For your own miracle. Every one of you, what is it that, that the Lord is asking you to do? The miracle is for the now, and the miracle is for the future. God is always a God of abundance. And now the Lord is also asking us to do something different even in this season of Lent, even in this season as we prepare for Easter, as Pastor Karen announced, in just 12 days' time, we will be, have Good Friday followed by Resurrection Sunday in just a little while time. And even in this season, we are called to remember the cross. We are called to remember how amazing the love of God was for us. And I want to take this story to a different level here. In a, in a little while, we will pray for those of you who are like that widow. You have that great need. And the Lord says, He bids you come. Come, that He will fill you. Come, that He will give you that miracle. But for the rest of us, you may not be in that situation. And I bid you to listen to this other clarion call. The second clarion call is for every one of us, even more pressing in this Lent season, to remember the needs of those outside. I'm talking about the spiritual dryness that's going on in the world. You open the paper, what is not of the, of the Lord, not of the world, that is what's being celebrated in the world. We are living at times where we have friends, family, colleagues, who are so spiritually empty. These are the empty vessels that God has placed in all our lives. I'm thankful that this year the Lord has spoken clearly to me 
that this year I have to intentionally, intentionally reach out to colleagues, ex-colleagues, <clears throat> ex-colleagues as well as family members who are yet to know Jesus. And the Lord has been so good. He's been opening doors for me to share, even with colleagues I haven't worked with in 20 years. We actually connected over lunch. And one guy asked me, you know, I never got a chance to really ask you, why do you leave it all to come to full-time, to come and work in the church? And he gave me an excellent opportunity to share. And I told him, I said, then you should come to my church over this Easter weekend and come and see what is it that, that we do here. And I'm praying that really that he will become one of the vessels that the Lord will fill. And I'm sure many of us, we all have such a story of someone who needs to be filled with the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Lord fills as many as we bring. The Lord fills as many as we bring. Come on, the Lord fills as many as you bring, church as many as I bring church. So today, it's not about honouring the cast and crew who work hard, though we do honour them. Today, I feel very strongly, we need to honour the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the cross. We need to say, God, I want to be part of those who bring in, bring in empty vessels for you to fill this, this season. I want to be a part of your end-time harvesters. You don't know how to share the gospel, you bring them over. You bring them over, but they will witness a powerful time. You're not sure whether they will say yes. That's why it's so, so important that you take part in, in our next 10 days prayer and fasting for towards Easter. I love the theme that has been chosen. The theme of Jesus the theme of drawing close to Jesus. Remember like that widow, the need is for us to be alone with God. Admitting your need before the Lord, being alone for Him to work in and through you. So this season, let this not just be a booklet that you take back and leave in our cars or our handbags, but let this season be a time where we pray we pray desperately for our own lives. If at times we have stopped being that vessel that needs filling, say, God, I empty myself of all that I have. And I bid that, Lord, you fill me and use me, O oh God, to bring people. You know, really, I feel very strongly that we are in a season where we are surrounded by people with needs. We are surrounded by people who have great amount of situations and it's got to go beyond just the physical. We have to bring them in. They need to meet the one true Lord Jesus Christ. As the worship team comes up, I want to end with this one story. A story of a widow, not a widow, a single mother. A single mother many years ago who was left with three children to bring up. A widow who was lost as to how to take care. A widow that was searching for a God that would bring meaning to her life, that would bring breakthrough to her life. 
somehow one such brochure came to her and her friend. A brochure inviting everyone to come for a rally. A rally meeting years ago held at stadiums. She found Jesus. Because someone bothered to give her this, she found Jesus. And the Lord gave her courage, gave her a new start. And that's why she brought us here. She's my mother. And church, we have many in our lives. Many in our lives who may be smiling on the outside but hurting on the inside. And they need the power that this widow experienced. They need the power of a breakthrough and a miracle. And it rests with us. It rests with you and I because we have the hope. We have been given the hope so freely, so beautifully. So church, today there is a clarion call to everyone here from the front all the way to the back. Whether you're in full-time ministry or leadership, or whether it's your first time here or second time here, let us heed the call of a loving God and Savior that says we are. We are to bring hope to those around us because that is how we change communities. That is how we change our families. And that is how the Lord will also change us. That is how the Lord will use you to be such an immense blessing. So today, church, let us just close our eyes. Even as the worship team just, just plays on, let's just have a time to reflect about what the Lord is stirring you up towards. It's just between you and the Lord first. Oh, Begin to ask the Lord, Lord, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to invite. I'm willing to to be a part of this. I'm ending this early so we don't have to leave early, so I would appreciate it if people just stay in their seats for a moment. Just allow the Lord to place a name. I like what Pastor Karen reminded us about. E1W1, everyone, let's win one. Everyone. Every one of us, we can do our part. Every one of us, we carry this. Oh, Rabba Shalala Rabba Sibiri. Oh, Rabba Shalala Rabba Sibiri. Oh, That's right, Lord. Lord, break our hearts, oh God. Oh, show us, oh God, how to show love, oh God. 
how to be bold, oh God, even in this season, oh God. If that's you, you want to say, God, count me in. I want to be a part of bringing people. Just begin to stand to your feet. Just wherever you are, just beginning to stand to your feet. Say, God, use me, Lord. Use me, Lord, in the next 12 to 14 days. Oh, Rabashiri, the Lord. Bring faces to mind. Bring names to mind, Lord Jesus. Use me. Use me to bring, oh God, those who really need that breakthrough in their life. They need Jesus, oh Lord. Oh, show me Come on, just begin to pray in the Spirit right now. Pray for the names that the Lord has given to you, everyone, from the front to the back. Let's begin to pray in the Spirit. myself of all I have, empty myself of all my fear or pride or past disappointments. Because unless we empty ourselves of all these, the Lord can't fill us afresh. And Lord, I pray God, you begin to fill, fill afresh, oh God. Fill afresh every single person that wants to be used, oh God. Oh, And for those of you, you are like that widow. Today you say, Lord, I want to receive my own personal breakthrough. I want to receive my own miracle as well. You know, you have a need in your life. The altar is open here. The pastors are ready to pray for you. Oh, Rabba Shara Oh, As you're making your way here, those who need prayer. Those who need prayer, you can just feel free to come in front. 
That's the miracle. The miracle, the need that you have. The Lord is saying, I am ready. I am ready to move in and through your life this season. And I just want to ask if there is anyone here, if you have yet to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today you're hearing about a miracle saving God. And you're saying, I want that God, I want that Jesus. If that's you, just begin to put up your hand. We just want to pray with you and welcome you into the body of Christ. If there's anyone here, you've yet to know Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. Just lift up your hand high. We just want to pray for you. We don't want to miss you out. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, I believe you're mostly believers here. Hallelujah. So I just pray. I want to pray for a prayer release that we will go forth. We will go forth with God's anointing, filled and whole. Just begin to lift your hands once again. Lift your hands once again to receive that anointing, to receive that powerful impartation from the Lord, even right now. Can I just ask the pastors who are not ministering, begin to just turn towards the audience and lift up your hands towards the congregation here. Every pastor, every leader, to begin to, to, to just lift up your hands towards our congregation for their special impartation, for their special empowering even in this season. Come on, church. Begin to activate, activate and change the atmosphere by praying in the spirit even right now. And Lord, as we sang, we pray now, break our hearts for all that breaks yours. And Lord, let us be used, O oh God, to bring healing. And Lord, use us, O oh God. Let us not forget, Lord, stir us up every single day of this week, O oh God. And Lord, as we pray, as we come, O oh God, for the churchwide prayer, O oh God, help us to be aligned and focused on the greatest miracle on earth, salvation of souls, O oh God. So Father, we want to commit ourselves, every one of us. And Lord, as we leave from here, we ask for your blessings. We ask for your richest blessings upon every single one that is here, O oh God. That Lord, they will go forth with power, anointing, courage and boldness to be your witnesses, O oh God. 
in every part of this Pataling Jaya, Kuala Lumpur, and wherever else you send them, oh God. Let your grace and peace and anointing be upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, give God the glory.